I would be posting pictures for the wrong reasons in okay. a lot of a lot of cases. So if I was feeling a bit down, I'd post a picture of myself where I thought I looked good and then I'd get the validation. But then the next day it wouldn't have any meaning. Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr and I am delighted to welcome my guest to studio this week. Ashlyn Mahan is with us. Ashlyn is the general manager at Huckletree D2 as well as the co-founder at Startup Grind Dublin. Ashlyn, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you. So we're going to start the same way that we always start, mm -hmm. which is with our game. So it's called Six Words or Less. Okay. And it's for any of our listeners and readers and viewers of the show who may not know who you are. So you have to describe yourself in six words or less so in your own time okay I am an open-minded person of extremes oh, I love that mm. open-minded person of extremes yeah what do you mean by extreme <laughs> where do I you just, go from there yeah um, I'm the type of person that either loves something or hates something and that um, applies to all areas of my life so it's why I believe I need to love what I do mm -hmm. otherwise I wouldn't find it meaningful and I would strive to find a purpose, I think. Wow, okay, so nothing really in between <laughs> for Ashley. No, which, which isn't always a good thing, um, but it means that when I love something, um, I will put all of my heart and soul into it and I'm super passionate. It also means sometimes I'm really bad at small talk because I'm quite intense okay. and I like to discuss issues that I care about. So um, there's, there's kind of pluses and minuses to that. I think that's a great thing. I don't like small talk, yeah. but not that. There you go, maybe you are a person of extremes too. Maybe, but I think it's more <laughs> so I'm just really bad at small talk, as in I need to have like a certain amount of time with someone. If it's just small yeah. talk and then you go, I'm like, no, I want to know more from you. That's why yeah. I'm really bad at schmoozing. You know that word yeah, schmoozing? Uh, but you see, I am good at schmoozing because it's important for my job and yeah. also because I like to uh, me be too. I'm really good pleasant and kind people. So yeah. it's not that I'm rude it's just that I can feel when I'm not really into something yeah I mean sense. I think to give a little bit of context as well as as why I wanted to have you on the show mm -hmm. you were recently on um our panel for our make a fuss event which is yeah. kind of a career entrepreneurial live event that we have on her.ie and I also know you as well because we went to school together we did. so in case anybody <laughs> doesn't know San Sabina for life <laughs> oh my god I'm gonna get so slagged for that you're wearing the San Sabina colors as well I know that was not intentional <laughs> um, but I want to kind of explain to people a little bit I that was the first time that I saw you in probably 14 15 as years adult. as an adult mm. yeah and it was also the first time I saw you kind of speak about your profession and and yeah. so for our listeners and our readers tell us a little bit about how you got to the position that you're in now okay um, so way I went to college was it eight, nine years ago we mm. went to college? Um, a certain amount of time ago. No, Let's not give we it graduated away. nine years ago. Yeah. Okay, so I studied commerce and French in UCD. Um, always knew that I didn't want to go down the big four route, um, but really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was always drawn to early stage businesses, the more kind of creative aspect of, of business and really hated anything around kind of accounting, tax, finance even. Yeah. Um, and what I'd say is I really don't think college preps people for um, the road less traveled, mm. uh, if you will. So I was kind of lost. So I ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, doing a master's in Smurfit, which is amazing and really, really worth it, worth the investment. 
And then I went and I worked for Enterprise Ireland, which is the government agency that supports early stage Irish startups. So we um, worked with startups who were looking at the UK as their overseas market. And I was based in London and I loved that job. So I just loved the variety of it. I loved helping people. I loved understanding businesses. I loved the challenge of never knowing what sector you were going to be working with. So you're constantly challenged to open your mind and you know study new markets. And also being based in London, it just opens up so many routes because you have different cultures, different nationalities. And I'm just obsessed with how big the world is yeah. and um, countries that we don't necessarily talk about or <clears throat> that wouldn't be represented in Ireland. So I always knew that I wanted to work in startup land with inspiring founders doing different things. And that theme has kind of woven its way throughout my life, I guess. And it's led me eventually to leading Huckle Tree in Ireland. So Huckle Tree is um, a UK company and we support early stage startups and scale-ups in growing their businesses. So we have almost um, 380 people working um, from an amazing, beautiful building down on Pier Street. And we work with founders to yeah, support their early stage ideas, watch them grow and support their growth within the building. I so, always find it so interesting. Great. You said there about kind of the, the theme that ran yeah. through your career. I always find that an interesting aspect of anybody's professional career because I think back to like our school days and mm. it's you're so young to kind of be trying to figure out what you want to do. And when you yeah. turn 17, 18, and then you have to kind of slap it on a CAO mm. form, even harder to kind of decipher. I think I looked out, like I always knew that I wanted yeah. to do journalism. So mm -hmm. that was just kind of the thing that I wanted to do. But for some people it's really hard. And you said that your master's was definitely mm. like a good investment. But mm -hmm. what would you say to people who maybe it doesn't click with straight away? Like maybe it did for me or, or oh God, perhaps for you. Oh God, take your time. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's no template for life and it's quite unrealistic to think that there would be. Mm. So don't panic. You don't have to do what everyone else does. Find the thing that you love doing and do more of it and then just take the time, invest in yourself for a little bit. Yeah. Maybe go traveling. I think that's great. I, I've always um, said there's, you know, I would never regret traveling. So if I were ever lost, um, I would probably go off for a few months and just, you know, be a digital nomad. I hate that term, but you know what I mean? Um, I've never heard that term. A oh, it's when, nomad. you know, you see all these ads of beautiful people in Bali with their laptops in like gorgeous coffee shops. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say that. Um, and I know that that seems quite simplistic, but um, it just kind of comes to you. You yeah. know, I think we're so hard on ourselves because we compare ourselves constantly to other people. And I'm a big believer in, in just competing with yourself. So competing with yourself this time last year mm. versus some random person you see online who has no impact on your life ever. I mean, it takes the pressure off as well because, you know, obviously we all put pressure on ourselves mm. and like I'm definitely a competitive person, but I think if you are, you know, not comparing yourself to other people, mm -hmm. that's definitely going to stand to you because totally. you're never, like not that you're never going to stand up to people, but what mm. do you get at the end of competing with someone? Do you like nobody puts you on a podium anymore like no, and say and you won fizzles out as well yeah oprah is amazing for this so she always talks about um just focusing on her her business and that's why she was so successful so i'm inspired by amazing people yeah. like like oprah who you know they know they have competition but they're just so focused on what they're doing that they yeah. don't have time because it's kind of inconsequential you were also um the 
you led the Women in Tech program at the Web Summit yeah, as well did, for a yeah. while. So, I mean, is it fair to say that you <clears throat> have definitely held kind of um, high-powered positions in terms of the amount of pressure? And I'm kind of getting to this time of year and mm -hmm. dealing with pressures and stress when it comes to work because I always find that this time of year mm. is completely manic and I think that yeah. it's a time of year when a lot of things can get in on people and mm -hmm. when you know stress can really come to the forefront. Mm. Have you ever been in different positions throughout your career where you felt complete and utter stress and how did you deal with that? Yes completely so probably I first I've always been a stressed person, even when we were doing our leaving cert, I yeah. found that really, uh, that was probably the most stressful period actually of my life so far. Um, but really? I, the leaving yeah, cert? Yeah, yeah. You just seemed so... No, I don't like the calm. kind of pressure all being in one week and I yeah. just need things to be like spread out. Anyway, um, yeah, definitely. I think whenever <clears throat> you work for a startup company, you especially when you have a direct impact on revenue and the cash that's coming in, you are very aware of um, whether we're going to get paid this month or yeah. you know whether you're going to be able to keep the lights on. or um, And that's real. So I've never really worked for a company where, you know, I've never worked for a corporate. Right. So, um, I mean, I've always been very secure, but <clears throat> you know what could happen. Mm. So... Um, and you're always really invested, so you want everything to go according to plan and it's yeah. your baby and you're so proud of what you do, so you don't want it to fail. And I, so the first time I really experienced that probably was when I was living in Asia in Hong Kong. And I was 26 and I was um, working in, in China, so I was based in Hong Kong but commuting to mainland China. And I really looking back, didn't really know what I was doing. But really? I just threw myself in and I was excited about the opportunity. But I had this imposter syndrome that I was going to be caught out. Yeah. And I really was kind of obsessed with this idea of like, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm going to do. And instead of just taking things one step at a time. And then I found, I discovered yoga and I haven't really been as stressed since. Not to say I don't suffer stress and anxiety. Mm. Of course I do, everyone does but I have tools now to manage that. And I love helping others do that too. That's really what I'm very inspired by and passionate about. I was gonna nicely segue into yes. yoga, but you did it for mm. me. Thank you so much. Um, so yoga, you've said, and it was kind of one of the things that you spoke about at the Make a Fuss event as well. It's something that has had a huge impact mm -hmm. on your life. And you said that you found it when you were in Asia. So, yeah. I mean, was it just that you went to a class <coughs> one day? Me. No, no, of course. Quite literally found it. I was living in the, the cutest part of Hong Kong. Hong Kong's such a beautiful city. It's so much more, or um, country even, more than just skyscrapers. So there was this gorgeous little studio at the end of my road. And I had gotten up really early on a Sunday morning and I was kind of like, oh, like really far from home, didn't really have any friends. Mm. And I just kind of, saw this really cute studio and I went in to the class and something just clicked with me. I think in yoga it's so much depends on the teacher that you have. So if you have a connection with that person, it can be really powerful. So I still am in touch with, with that teacher today and we always WhatsApp and like Skype and stuff. So um, there's just kind of a connection that you wouldn't necessarily get if maybe if you're going to the gym or, yeah. you know, a different kind of sport. Um, do you feel like it's made an impact on your professional life as well? Totally, yeah, mm. because you it's a way of life and it's, it's everything from how you approach things, how you break down challenges, 
you become so much more self-aware because a lot of yoga is in stillness. Mm. So you're kind of forced to be introspective and you learn to read yourself and you begin to identify things like destructive behaviours or times when you don't feel at ease and you can either work to help you feel better or maybe avoid those situations if you can. So yeah. it applies itself to every area of, of life and work. And I'm really lucky that we have a yoga studio in Huckletree so I can teach there. And it's just really brought everyone together. And we've got a solid yoga crew and then we work together too. So that's incredible. So yeah, did you like, great. did you approach them and say, you know, I, I want to do this? Or was that something that was there and you were like, well, I'll definitely teach here. So when I came on board, I was halfway through my yoga teaching, teacher training. And when I got the job, we had just signed the lease on the building. So there was no design and fit out done. And we were looking at the floor plans. And I said, I think that would be a really cool yoga studio. Yeah. And so, so did you do it I came mornings? on board from day one. And I was really heavily involved in, in all of that. Yeah. Um, so leading the business from day one in a new market. So I was quite lucky because yeah. otherwise I don't think I would teach yoga as much because it's just another commitment and I probably wouldn't want that. So it's kind of, it's there, it's where you're... It's a gift. It's just something that I, you know, do with people yeah. um, because I love doing it. It's incredible because like me and a few of my work colleagues, we've kind of dipped in and out of mm. doing things like that. There's a yoga studio just around the corner and it's a lovely one. And sometimes we would go at lunchtime and sometimes we'd go and do Pilates and stuff mm. like this. But we don't have a dedicated thing yeah. in the building that we can do like three or four times mm. a week. So I'd say it's really good as well just for the mindset of people who are working there and for yeah. men. Mental health. And yeah, they're all super stressed. They're um, because start startups right as exactly, well. Exactly, like. and they really need it. And I like teaching them things that they can bring out with them and maybe teach other people. So really, like simple simple shoulder exercises, breathing stuff they can do at their desk or around their desk, so that it's not a case of them having to get into their yoga gear every day. You know, obviously we do our classes, but if they're suddenly you know feeling like I need a bit of a break, yeah. <clears throat> they can take five. They can either meditate or they can sit at their desk and do some like shoulder shrugs or get up and do some arm stretches. And you can even do some of them when you're out and about and you're in the Lewis or whatever. Yeah. So it's just kind of about introducing a new practice to someone, but also giving people coping mechanisms too. Yeah, and just taking mm. a breath as well. Totally, yeah. I always feel like, especially with the kind of people that you're working with, obviously a startup, you know, I've interviewed a few people who've mm -hmm. been involved in startups that have gone on to incredible things and yeah. then other times that haven't, necessarily yeah. succeeded um, I also think as well around this time of year with the new year coming in it seems to be the time that people start to think about their careers mm -hmm. and think about whether <laughs> they're truly professionally fulfilled yeah. um, obviously you're dealing with people and you're working with people who have made that jump and who've made that leap into yeah. say starting a business how do you know or how do you think people ever really know if they're truly professionally fulfilled Oh, it's so obvious. Um, I think it's unrealistic to say that they get up every morning like, yes, you know, let's take this day. And, yeah. and I, I was talking um, about this the other night with someone. I hate the question, like, what makes you get out of bed in the morning? It's like my alarm clock. Like, you know, it's, it's not that yeah, I'm... It's sometimes those you know, quotes as well that yeah, drive me a bit mental. But I'm terrible for affirmations. Like, I'm wearing this, like, affirmation T-shirt, basically. Phenomenal woman. Um, but sometimes but, I find that hard to yeah, relate to at 6 a.m. Let's be realistic, right? Um, yeah. Professionally fulfilled, I would say um, if they're happy, if they're content, and if they believe in what they're doing. So if they have a vision and if they stick to it. So your vision is basically 
your your purpose and it reminds you constantly of of why you started mm. what you started so um <clears throat> we would always kind of try and remind people of that so if they're having a crap day or if they've had to do loads of menial tasks you always know why so yeah. Um, and there's no ambiguity, so everyone on your team knows why, which can be really difficult as you as you grow into a bigger company. Um, and if you're having a day where you have to do loads of admin, or you know you're the CEO and you've had to like clean the kitchen or whatever, you know <clears throat> those kind of things, you always know why you're doing it. Yeah. And then <clears throat> it's equally important to know when to give up because um, that's another kind of skill too. And you can try again. You can do something else. So if you're building something and the market's telling you there's no room for it, mm. you also have to have the humility to accept that and yeah. just, you know, learn from it and then move on. That's the other Again, thing. Again, yeah. easier said than done. I mean, it's it's kind of the in, in exact opposite of what I just asked, the other question of, like, how do you know when you're in the wrong job? And yeah. how do you know? Like, have you ever been in a position throughout your career where something just wasn't sitting right with you? I feel like sometimes, mm. now I know, you know, I can't speak for a man's intuition, but I sometimes feel like a woman's intuition can mm -hmm. be incredibly strong. And sometimes I've heard from people and, and I felt it myself throughout my career mm -hmm. that maybe I'm not doing the thing that I'm meant to be doing. What would you say to people who might be having those feelings? And have you ever felt those yourself? Uh, not really, I don't think I really have. Um... I'd say maybe in between jobs, yeah. but never so unhappy that I would be worried or I'm quite good at, at being realistic about things. I know that I'm not going to love every single minute of every, every single day, work day yeah. because it's hard and that's why you've chosen to do it. Um, I would say I'm quite good at listening to my, my gut instinct. So maybe like personally, um, I would be more aware of that, but professionally, not really. Um, I would say... <clears throat> like be realistic about it so obviously if you've got kids and a mortgage you can't just kind of walk away from yeah. something but if you have less responsibilities again see if you can try something different or take up a passion project and do something on the side um so if for example I wanted to become a full-time yoga teacher I wouldn't give up my job tomorrow mm. because that would be really stupid yeah so I would probably host a few workshops, see what the demand was, see if people would pay me for my service and then work out how much I would, you know, get on a monthly basis annually and decide if it was worth it. Yeah. Um, but I, do, I don't want to do that. I'm kind of um, not drawn to yoga for commercial yeah. means at all. It's it's my gift and I, I, would, I actually feel very strongly that I wouldn't want to be motivated. By money. By, yeah. And, yeah. I, 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 and I don't know why, it's just in that area of my life. I'm not. That's incredible. Mm. I'd love to not be motivated by money for a lot of things. No, not not that I'm not. Entirely. But, but in but my, yeah. you know, in my side project. Yeah, well, there's yeah. a commercial side to everything, I yeah. suppose. So yeah. um, you've written as well a little bit about your relationship with social media. And I really want to talk to you about that. But mm. we're going to take a really quick break now. So a host of Irish musicians have come together and they've joined forces as Streetlights to release Homeward Bound, which is a cover of the Simon and Garfunkel classic. And it's all to raise funds for the most vulnerable in our society which are homeless people so I was joined earlier by Sinead Troy and Aoife Woodlock a couple of the producers who are behind this project
The Streetlights Collective is a group of Irish musicians that are doing something pretty special this Christmas and it's all in order to raise funds for the most vulnerable in our society, which are homeless people. So they've just released their single, which is a cover of the absolute cracker that is Simon and Garfunkel's Homeward Bound. The track listing for the album has also been released. So there's an album, there's a group, it's all taking off. So here to tell us more is Sinead Troy and Aoife Woodlock. Firstly, ladies, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. So your friends and your music producers and industry professionals, so tell us about where this idea for the Streetlights Collective, was it a single originally before it turned into mm. an album? So how did that start? Keith Troy is an activist, a Dublin guy, approached Luca Bloom mm -hmm. and said, you know, it would be a good idea to do a Christmas single. Mm. And Luca knows Sinead very well and works for her in, in, in ISCA. Mm -hmm. And um, Sinead came to me and I was at home after an operation on my knee. And Sinead yeah. sat across the kitchen table and said, right, I've something to talk to you about and I only want you to do it. And I was like, oh, Jesus. And she says, a single. And I had a, I had a, a tentative project <clears throat> regarding direct provision. Mm -hmm. So I said, look, I can't do both. Mm -hmm. the, the, the DP one will be next year. And mm -hmm. I took this on for Sinead. Um, she very seldom asks for anything in that way. And I just thought, OK, I'll do it. And the song, I, I produced the Rock Against Homelessness for Barry Egan in the Olympia in April, last mm -hmm. April. And this, we, to make Homeless and the Homeless People and the High Hopes Choir the focus, yeah. rather than putting on 10 bands yeah. all out to sing, I, I made them the focus and got everybody to give them a song to rehearse. So on the night they were, they were the narrative of the night yeah. rather than just a 10 band thing. Not that wrong with that, yeah, of course. but I just kind of lost the, it's, it's about them, so mm. have them involved. And one of the rehearsals, I was sitting off um, Capel Street and they were singing Homeward Bound and I was looking at them and was, I was like, oh my God, they're singing Homeward Bound yeah. and they love it. And I spoke to one of them and she said that they just adored that song. And I said, what does, what does singing mean for you? What does all of this, since David Brophy started this years yeah. ago, what does it mean? And she said that singing gave her confidence and confidence gave her hope. Yeah. And I said, did singing not give, did hope not come first? And she said, no, no, the confidence came before the hope. Wow. And that blew me away that in order to have an, a, 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 what would be a normal feeling as a human being, mm. that you need confidence to have it. And I'd never, ever thought about that before. So I said to Sinead, I've got the song. Yeah. It's Homeward Bound. The song was kind was of a no-brainer. Yeah, it, yeah. it didn't have to think too hard about that. And then Janine and the record label, Sinead put a great structure around the whole thing. And Janine Allen was putting the record out. And she was like, if it's money you want to make, a single's not going to do the job. So then Sinead, ring, ring. We, <laughs> it's got to be an album. Wow. Okay. I was like, are you effing joking me? Like, it's, it's it, like, at this point, nine weeks their, to Christmas. Yeah. Everyone has their full-time jobs. Like, we were both full-time anyway, so yeah. it was just like... And this was only in September, right? This wasn't like... This was like, only in September, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and so yeah. an album means 15 songs, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So it means 15 artists first. Yeah. And it means 50, for making 15 calls to 15 managers. And then on top, you see, every song has a manager. An artist has a manager, but then there's a label and a publisher. People own those tracks. Right. So, uh, so a huge amount of work. Huge amount of work, yeah. That goes into something work, like this. Yeah, but yeah, what 
what was the reaction when you kind of got in touch with these artists originally? I mean, Bono said yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it was great. Yeah. Like it's, it's, Snow Patrol have been leading the charge on this. They are, they're old friends, and but they're darlings. Like the other night in the Three Arena, they, they donated their guest list street lights. All, all guest list profits, you know, and the people had to donate. Wow. I went up and I said, I'm not donating. I've donated three <laughs> months. <laughs> Four years. And Rory Morpheus there. But it's, a, yeah, yeah. But it's, so artists get it. The, the, the thing about it is you have to be very careful working with, with musicians. You can only ask so many times. Yeah, mm. so many favours, like, yeah. We couldn't go back next year and approach those artists because mm. they have given up their time to come into the Camden Studios to do the song, then come into RTE and do the video. And then we want them to do promo. Yeah. And this is all their free time and mm. they're pulling. And so it's, it is very, it's very difficult and to... It's, yeah, it's almost about the moving pieces and getting them all totally. lined up and timings. Yeah. And, and so sometimes re- they can't... Yeah. It's a natural thing. mission for this week is just like, she's, she's, you know, she's... We don't have artists available like you would mm. an album, you know. So I manage Kathy Davy and, and so I have Kathy for the two weeks around the release of an album. And so it's like an interview here, interview there, whatever, and that's fine. But when it's a compilation, it's completely mm. different. So we were like, is anybody around? to do this is anybody and Mission PR are phenomenal yeah um, and they're just like and, and you know people will do it when they can because everybody's working of course um, so it's it's been the the, the, the re- release week was chaotic yeah absolutely. but brilliant because yeah. you know lots of people responded really well and there's little, little faces on Matt Cooper or on you know, uh, Ray Darcy or, you know, there's just yeah. people popping up. Popping up do, here and yeah, there, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, you know, the whole objective of it is to raise funds for the homeless. So mm. that's kind of the, the key thing it that you guys want to Like what I wanted to do with it was have three different sort of price points. So the so Homeward Bound is like 129. Mm. So that's affordable for an age group, or a certain amount of people. Um, or a certain purse. Um, and then the, we have a text line as well, which is text streetlights to 50300. And that's a second price point. Mm. And then the album is the third price point uh, of 15 euro or 10 digital. Um, so I just thought there was something there for everybody. Yeah. Um, and the idea really was that everyone is frustrated with what's going on. Everyone's aware. So this wasn't about awareness. It was about supporting the three charities. And it was about, it was about absolutely about funds for those this heroes yeah. that, that, that work with the uh, our homeless citizens. And they are our homeless citizens, you know, yeah. they're our people. It's a really good point that it's not about raising awareness, you yeah. know, like everybody no, knows. We're stepping over people in sleeping yeah. bags, but yeah. it's yeah. also about the the people that do amazing work, like Peter McFerry is so <gasps> with the people, rolls hero. up his sleeves, he's, he's completely in there, he's selfless. Mm. Um, I just think that man's incredible. Like anybody that does work for charity or has a, is a conscientious citizen is brilliant because it's better to do something small than do nothing at all. It's like recycling, just do your bit. And I don't mean it's like recycling, but the the ethos of of just do something. Um, um, And people are um, there's a family that I was made aware of recently in Rathmines who are, both of them work and they have two children and they have an assistance dog and their rent has gone up and, they, and, and, and the landlord is saying he's going to sell in X amount of weeks. Mm. So they're out. But both of them work. They've got a car outside the door. Yeah. And they're trying to find somewhere because their children are in the local school. Mm. 
Well, and it's the changing face so, of homelessness, isn't it? It's, well, this it's, is it. It's not just the people, not like just, you said, so that you're stepping supporting over. Yeah. These, these places so, yeah. support people who are on the brink. Yeah. Well, I think you can. You only need to listen to the way in which you guys speak about it. You can tell the passion that you're that comes off of you when you talk about it. So I would say to people who are listening and who are watching as well that it is 100% worth their while and also you're doing something good. So it's going directly it something to something positive. Yeah. If you're feeling frustrated about it, this is something small and very, very significant that you can do. This and I, it. I guess it's for the three charities. I think so a lot of people are, yeah, a lot yeah. of people are looking to do that, yeah, to help, yeah. but not necessarily knowing how. And the four euros enough, yeah. you know, four euros, all the four euros add up, you yeah. know, and, and if that's something you can do from your phone straight away, it's text the word streetlights mm. uh, to 50300, and the majority of that goes towards uh, the three charities and, and straight to them, like yeah. straight to them, not via us or, yeah. you know, anything else, straight into them. Incredible. 360 goes to the charities. Yeah, amazing. The rest is there. Well, Sinead and Aoife, thank you so much for coming in, and best of luck with it and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Streetlights Collective maybe has in the future. Might give you a little break though. Take we'll it. get them in next yeah. year, will we? Yeah. Go 47 of the rent studio. Absolutely, why not? <laughs> I think they could fit. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for your support. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay, so we are back with Ashlyn Mahan. So Ashlyn, I remember at the Make A Fuss event, mm -hmm. I was tagging you like a mad woman on <laughs> social media. And I was like, yeah, she's gonna know me from school. Hashtag Ashlyn Mahan, all this kind of stuff. Um, and then I saw that you were on a social media detox. Yeah. So I was like, right, this is all for nothing. So I was <laughs> like, she's never gonna see how much I'm complimenting you. But, um, but you've admitted that you actually well, I read an article that you wrote and you said that you have or have had mm -hmm. a negative relationship with social media. And this is one yes. of the things that I wanted to talk to you about as well, because like I said, this time of year can be incredibly hectic for mm -hmm. people. It could be manic professionally, but also just getting your bits like Christmas is a stressful time mm -hmm. for lots of families. So I want to talk about the kind of added pressure that social media can bring to our lives. And I just thought you would be the perfect person because yeah, sure. you've been detoxing a little I bit. I have and I feel so much better because of it. Um, the first thing is I know not, that not everyone feels the same way. So I think that's really important to say I'm not preaching about it. I'm not in any way you know, qualified to talk about stats around mental health and social media, but I just know how it made me feel. Mm. Um, so I can only speak from personal experience. But it got to a stage where I just was kind of tracking. And again, through yoga, I'm very aware of my feelings and how, how you know, how things resonate with me. And whenever I go on Instagram in particular, mm. I just wouldn't feel great. Um, and I would be posting pictures for the wrong reasons in okay. a lot of a lot of cases. So if I was feeling a bit down or <clears throat> I don't know if I had had a bad day, I'd post a picture of myself where I thought I looked good and then I'd get the validation. But then the next day it wouldn't have any meaning. So, so you described it as like a sugar mm, hit, which I thought was yeah, so interesting. Yeah. As in it's this immediate jolt mm. of affirmation and yeah. kind of validation. And then you said that you started to notice, because I don't think a lot of people zone in on after the likes, like what happens next. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, it's an addiction because we want to post another I, picture. It should just be a beautiful digital photo album. Yeah. So it should be the online equivalent of that photo album you had as a teenager. Mm. 
but it started to become something different for me. So I really, I hope that I could go back and I do want to go back and think of all those messages I've missed. Oh my God, um, DMs know, People for have been days. sliding into my DMs. <laughs> um, so I, I do want to go back, but it also made me realise that I was having kind of a lot of fake engagement with people yeah. and I was losing touch with people that I really cared about. So okay. I... Um, now have to pick up the phone and call someone or send them a WhatsApp or send them a picture that I think they would like rather than posting an Instagram and hoping they would see it. And it's opened, reopened a lot of kind of channels of communication for me. Um, I'm what still was it like on, originally mm -hmm. like? I want to kind of break yeah. this down because yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think about how I would do if I was to do this. So like, let's talk about the first day or the first two days that you were off it entirely. Like, yeah. did you did you <clears throat> feel like you missed checking it? Because like a lot of the time I'm not posting, but I'm definitely on it. Like I'm just scrolling through. Yeah. I'm kind of like doing it that way. Yeah. So was that something that you, you noticed? You your time with something else. So um, I started reading again. Okay. I, um, I'm kind of, again, like all or nothing person extreme. So I have to go cold turkey on something in order for it to stick. So I started by thinking, okay, maybe I could limit my time to 20 minutes a day. That, that wouldn't really work. And I also was like, that's a bit too much, you know, to be tracking that level of, of engagement. So I actually, um, so I went through a process. I had, I have a happiness journal <laughs> where, and it's actually really good. So it sounds so cheesy, but they're really, really good. After your happiness I know, because I'm like, imagine people going, oh my God, what is she like? Um, no, it's great. But at the start of the happiness journal, you have to identify things that make you happy and sad, people you love, um, words that describe you, behaviors you'd like to change. So it's a big kind of self-reflection process. And you have to write down the things that don't make you feel good. And Instagram was one of them. And then you have to commit an action to that. Wow, okay. So mine was get off Instagram. So when I write something down and I commit to it, I'm far more likely to follow through. And that's how I did it. So I didn't just kind of wake up one day and go, I'm not going to, you know, check it. So I'm off Instagram and Facebook. I still use um, LinkedIn and Twitter, mostly for work, actually primarily only for work. Um, and I don't have any kind of negative association with them. So again, like everyone will be different. So maybe people love Insta and also um, it's really important for business. So anyone that has a consumer brand obviously needs to be there because yeah. that's where your people are. So Again, unrealistic to think that we can all just live in this utopia where, you know, we ditch the smartphones and we just focus on face-to-face -face communication. Definitely. But I think like, I think you're talking <clears throat> about it in a really realistic term, as in like you just said there that you don't have a negative mm. emotional, well, you didn't say emotional, I'm just putting words in your mouth now, but I'm presuming it means that you don't have a, neg a negative emotional relationship with say Twitter and mm. LinkedIn. And I'm exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I literally use them for work. I actually have more followers on Twitter than I do on Instagram, mm. but I only post things yeah. for work. Yeah. And I never think about what happens on Twitter because I'm never, like I'm not involved in Twitter like some other people are. Do well, you know that kind of way? it's less visual as well, you see? So you're exactly. not getting judged on your looks. Exactly. And so, that's, like that's the, the, the truth of it. You're being, like Twitter, and there's a lot of crap content on Twitter too, mm. but I do learn a lot from it and yeah. I click through and I read articles from it. So I'm a big believer in kind of surrounding yourself with like better quality content, you know, reading good books, reading good articles, and then staying away from some of the stuff on other social media channels, which can be just be really negative. 
I suppose one of the <coughs> things, and I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, it's that kind of... Um, it's almost the term and the phrase that we've become used to. And it's a joke. People say it as a joke, but I also think people live by it, whereby if you don't document something, did it actually it happen? Yeah. And I mean, that's it's a sad mm. thing to say, mm -hmm. but I definitely like would have to hold my hands up and be like, if I'm away, like I've, I've posted those pictures. Mm. I've posted the the sausage hot dog legs on the beach pictures mm. where I'm just like looking out at the ocean and stuff. And I mean, like, I don't judge myself for doing that, but I understand and I actually do feel a little bit jealous of people mm. who can go and experience these incredible things mm -hmm. and not document them. Because they exist, like, they are they mm. are there, but it's it's rare now. What yeah. do you think about that? Like, what would you... Yeah, I, I, oh, I see where you're coming from. I just think, why would you spend so much money and, you know, money that you've worked really, really hard yeah. um, on a holiday if for a lot of people now, one of the main reasons they're going is to make other people feel envious. Like, is that Urgh, true that, though? I, I don't know, but... It seems it. Yeah, doesn't it? Um, but that's a, that's a, I think that's a bigger issue than social yeah. media. That has to be a bigger issue than social it, media. It like, is, what have yeah. we done to ourselves that that is what we're thinking? Mm. Like, what have we done to ourselves that we post a picture and we can literally be on a plane for, say, 15 hours in order mm. to get to this amazing destination. And the first thing we're looking for is Wi-Fi. Like, and I know I'm not oh, speaking for everybody. It's Instagrammable around here. Yeah, and it's not yeah. true for everybody, mm. but it is true for a lot of people. Yeah. It really yeah. is. And I think, like, I mean, I'm one of those people, 100%. And mm. also social media is very important for my job. And I, I know that and I yeah. appreciate that. Um, but I mean, what I think about is so our generation is so different mm -hmm. to our parents. Mm -hmm. What are, what's it gonna be like in 30 years? I don't know, and I notice now, even with, with younger people that I, you know, come across, um, the inability to, um, a lot of times, craft, you know, whole sentences, um, responding with emojis. Um, and some of it's fine, you know, but I do worry about whether they can, you know, answer a phone yeah. because people are so used to having the time to curate what they're going to say before they say it. So yeah. we're unable to become reactive, if you know what I mean. So yeah. you're kind of really panicky if you're suddenly mm. put in a situation where um, you don't know what's going to happen next because you're curating this perfect version of yourself and you're not being real. Yeah. Um, and then you you think you're fake. So I, it, it, it's kind of obvious when you break it down and you you think about the issue. And there's some amazing authors in this space as well. Matt Haig is yeah. an incredible author. Um, I went to see him at a literary um, arts festival earlier this year called the Curious Arts Festival in Southampton. And he was just so human um, and very open about this topic. He's written a couple of bo books. One of them is Notes on a Nervous Planet. Yeah, and he speaks um, about the correlation between depression mm -hmm. and social media yeah, highly yeah, in yeah. that book as well, doesn't yeah. he? And obviously we're not mental health professionals, so we can't No, really... but he's really good, so I'd recommend if anyone's interested, yeah. that's a good book to start. Um, I think I want to ask, do you miss it? Do you miss those things or, or do you feel like when you go back to say Instagram or if you do go back mm. to Instagram, do you feel like you might be one of those 
one in a million people who mm. actually has a really nice positive relationship with it. I don't think I miss it enough to care about okay. it that much. That's good. Yeah. That's a great answer. <laughs> I mean, but it's the same with all addictions, isn't it? If you yeah. break something, because yeah. I fully do believe, like we say it almost in a jokey manner, mm -hmm. but I do genuinely believe that I am addicted to social media. Yeah. I think a lot of people would find it very difficult to step away from it like that. But I mean, You've done it and it's like, you're fine. <laughs> you're a walking, talking, phenomenal woman, according to your oh, t-shirt, so. Um, it, but it, it is actually quite a um, an important topic and it's one that was yeah. discussed at length at Web Summit this year. And a lot of um, people are aware of it. You know, they had um, the founder of Cam and people from Headspace and talking about, there's a whole trend around or shift towards tech for good mm. versus you know tech for bad and tech for clickbait and all that kind of stuff so <clears throat> people are aware of it yeah. and they're also taking responsibility so the people who caused it are mm. kind of doing something about it now i saw this really nice thing that you wrote as well in this specific article about your kind of social media detox which you ironically <clears throat> posted on social media but that's fine medium and Twitter. Yeah. Twitter, yeah. Medium's great. Like, I don't know if we consider Medium social media, but I love Medium. Oh, no, yeah, I was talking about Twitter. Mm. I, but you said ironically in the post, oh, yeah. and I was <laughs> like, I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, where was I supposed to put this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. It's the modern age, so yeah. we have to like remember that as well. Um, but you, I think you just had a swim or something like that, and you took a selfie, yeah. but you sent it directly to the person who had given you the book yeah. that you were reading at the time. And it yeah. was just like, that actually really kind of made an impact on me mm -hmm. because you wanted to share a moment with someone. Yeah. And so you did that. But yeah. you shared that moment directly with the person that you wanted to share it with. Yeah. You, you weren't sharing it with however many followers you have because yeah. like realistically, sometimes I forget, my brother kindly reminds me, nobody <laughs> gives a shit, Neve, what you yeah. ate for lunch. Like they really don't. Like, well, and it doesn't matter. food you would. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Know. Some people yeah. do, but it is about almost thinking like, why am I posting this what, totally. what's the intention what is the intention yeah. and your intention yeah. on that beach after your swim which I hope is in the summer by the way oh my god no that's the another thing I do all the time <laughs> I only went into the water on Sunday no yeah. no 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 yeah I'm that's my cool. other uh, you know I suppose say vocation it's just my pastime <laughs> yeah. jumping in the sea um but that looked like a really lovely moment that you wanted to share with someone and and obviously there was a thought process. Like you were sitting there, you took a selfie. That like was the all day do. that I stopped using Instagram, by the way. Really? Mm. Wow. I took a lovely day off. I did my happiness planner and then I went out to Dalkey and treated myself to a lovely lunch and a swim in the sea. Wow. Self-care. Well, I mean, <laughs> we've, we've talked about self-care so much on this show. Big advocates so of important. it. So important. So yeah. important, yeah. Um, but is that, I always think it's interesting as well, like, how have the people around you in your mm. life reacted to this in terms of like, are a lot of your friends similar or are they like, why is Ashlyn calling me? Like, Not really. Um, so a lot of my, like, you know, our friends are our age and they have other things to, mm. to worry about and everyone's super busy and everyone has, you know, their job and um, maybe in some cases they have kids or, yeah. you know, partner. So um, no, not really. Um, and then, in work, we're all really, really open. Um, I'm so lucky to work for a company who has this incredible culture. We hire really, really good people. So everyone's more just interested and curious than mm. judgy. Right. Um, and obviously, you know, Huckletree as a brand is really strong on social media. So we've got an amazing Instagram account and our head of brand, Emily, who actually gave me that book, 
is the voice of our company and um, everyone understands. So they don't know, they don't care. They don't mind that I'm not putting up a pic on Insta to promote Tree or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because again, that's, it's your platform and there's that really interesting debate of who are you representing? Because mm. if you're online, you're also technically representing the company that you work for. Absolutely, so yeah. it's kind of blurred, you know, boundaries there. Yeah. I would um, say so like, it's easier actually not to be online. <laughs> I would say um, I'm going to kind of challenge myself to do something over the Christmas period. Mm. And it's a huge step for me, although it probably doesn't sound like a huge step to anybody. And people are probably just like, Neve, you're ridiculous. But you know, around this time of year mm -hmm. at Christmas, there seems to be like those kind of set pictures that every oh, single God, person yeah. posts. So yeah. it's like the picture of the Christmas tree. It's the, the picture at Christmas dinner with yeah. your family all around. And it's the presents that you got off your, yeah. off your mom, off your dad, off your boyfriend, off your significant other, whoever it is. So I'm going to really try and actually not post anything over Christmas and just see how that makes me feel yeah. because like I know how many likes I'll get on them. It'll be the standard amount of likes that I get on every <laughs> picture. I know people like people know what kind of Christmases I've had. I've been posting about them for years. So I'm just going to try and like literally put the phone down. And I know my mom listens to this and she's going to be so happy to hear oh. that. But like, I'm just going to try and actually be in the moment. And if my dad wants to take a picture, of course, I'm going to let him. But I'm going to really try and take away my phone from the experience of Christmas with my family. Yeah. Just to try it and just to see. It's because, but it, there's also a nice thing about documenting time with people you love, obviously. Yeah. And, um... It, the phone has that. just become the but, yeah. default camera, yeah. you know, because a few years ago we would have used a real camera mm. and you would have been able to document the, the moment and you would have had a gorgeous picture with people you love and that's so important. Mm. Um, and only this year, so I became a godmother, my sister had Max and we suddenly have this a beautiful baby in our family. Yeah. So of course I'm going to be dying to take pictures with him and I have like, I booked in a photography shoot for him and yeah. like, you know, it's not the picture. It's just the intention behind it. Yeah. So don't like... Don't um, not take pictures. Yeah. It's just about... I just Knowing don't necessarily want to share it with everybody. Yeah, That's totally. it. Like, I want to document things, of course. It's like yeah. what I do. But I am going to try not to post and just see how that makes me feel. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, it is actually like a bit of a challenge for me because it's not, well, that is a it's challenge, not yeah. something that I've... Like, I've literally done it and, like, people have, have said it. Like, I post a lot. More so on my stories than maybe the grid, but, like, I'm definitely And do you look at who's seen your stories? Oh, yeah. And yeah, 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you have the people that you're like, yes, they've seen my story? Um, not so much, because it's usually, like, the same kind of top people who look at them. Like, the <laughs> algorithm just throws yeah. them back up to the top. Um, but, yeah, the odd time you'd be like, oh, I wonder if that person saw this or that. Like, mm. it's just that classic kind of human nature that you feel like and yeah. I think I remember like when I embarked on this career when I left radio I remember it being like a I want like radio people to know that like I'm doing okay you yeah, know and yeah, yeah. at certain instances in your life yeah. when you go through life you almost want people to know mm. that you're doing okay mm. or or that you're not doing okay but the thing is is that nobody puts up the bad things you know like nobody no. is going to put up like I'll never put up the, the hungover picture of me on Christmas morning because mm. I haven't not had a hangover on Christmas morning in like a decade <laughs> but like nobody sees that yeah. you know so yeah. it's almost like what you said we're curating our own lives yeah. and I just almost want to I don't want to I don't want to show all the good things I just want to experience them this yeah. this year with my family oh great so, I'm excited for you yeah I mean I'm not going to get a happiness <laughs> journal 
yet because I'm I not... I wish it had a di- different title um, because it, people just kind of go, oh, but, but it's actually really, really good. A lot of people journal. And it was also a gift from Emily who gave me the book. Amazing. <laughs> so she is one <laughs> of these amazing people manager. in my... Uh, she's our head of branding content. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's another kind of theme. Surround yourself with people that you love who... Yeah you have a meaningful relationship with and it's mutual. Absolutely. I know a lot of people who journal and it's incredible and Mm. I used to all the time when I was a kid and there's like some really embarrassing diaries knocking about. Um, But I haven't really done it as an adult and it's usually just I'm I'm busy or I'm sleeping. you're such a good writer. But I don't, yeah, no, I don't ever write because I suppose I write so much like with my job that it's something about maybe equating it to, but Mm. I was gifted this beautiful journal there a while ago um, and it's for 2019 so maybe I will, but I suppose it's just about like choosing the things that make you happy, isn't yes. it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I've got <laughs> so much to do. Um, Ashlyn, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you as well to Sinead and Aoife as well. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the Her.ie channel as well. And of course, if you're listening on all of the podcast apps, subscribe and like and give us a review as well. I'm Neve Mar, and we will chat to you next week.